All right, so uh, let's give our attention to God's Word. Again, we're looking at uh, various Proverbs, verses throughout the book of Proverbs. So first, 11.14. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. 12.20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. But those who plan peace have joy. 14.22. Do they not go astray who devise evil? Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. 1522. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. 161 through 3. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord. And your plans will be established. 16.9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. 19.21. Many are the plans in in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. 20.18. Plans are established by counsel. By wise guidance, wage war. 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. 2131. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. And finally, 271. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. The Bible says that all men are like grass, and all man's glory is like the flower of the field. And the grass withers and flowers fade away, but the Word of God stands forever. So let me pray for us before we talk about it further tonight. Heavenly Father, we do, um, as we do every week, we stop and we, we talk to You. And we ask You uh, to be with us. And we don't, Father, we don't do that just because it is customary or it would feel awkward not to, but Father, uh, we do that because we, as best we can, we have to recognize that we really do need you and your Holy Spirit to be here. That left to ourselves, we will not hear your word. But God, you are a gracious God, uh, one who loves to reveal yourself to your people. And so we pray that you would do that tonight. Uh, Even from these Proverbs, help us to understand them. Help us to see you uh, in your word. And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'd be willing to bet that uh, maybe almost every one of you uh, either currently own or at some point in your life have owned a Magic 8-Ball. Right? you familiar with the Magic 8-Ball? I would bet most of you back home, there's one in the drawer or the closet somewhere. If you had to find it, you could. Um, if you don't have one or never have had one, you can get one on Amazon right now for $6.39. It's probably worth it. Uh, if you don't know what it is, there's not a lot I can do for you, but I'll try to describe it. Um, the Magic 8 Ball was basically a, a plastic ball filled with some sort of liquid. And it had a 20-sided die inside of it, which incidentally is called, anyone know? 
icosahedron, okay? And it's 20 sides. And uh, it has various responses on each side. It has a response to a yes-no question. Uh, By the way, if you don't know this, there are 10 positive answers, 5 negative answers, and 5 are non-committal. So the idea uh, with the Magic 8-Ball is basically you ask it some yes or no question like, should I ask out so-and-so? And you shake it up, and then the die floats to the top, and you know one of the answers floats up, and it says something like, signs point to yes, or outlook good, or my sources say no, or whatever. And there's your decision. Right? It's easy. All right, so what if I could tell you, I can't, but what if I could tell you that I could give you a magic eight ball that God actually works through and you could rely on it. What would your reaction to that be? What do you think? My guess is uh, that most of us would probably be really excited about that, about having that actual clear cut answer. Um, because like we've, like we've said, life, life is full of decisions and it's, there are a lot of big decisions that we face. A lot of big, de- and big decisions can be difficult, right? It seems like a lot is weighing on them, and they can bring a lot of anxiety and, and fear with them. Uh, things like, should you ask out that person? Should you marry that person that you're dating? Uh, which major do I choose? Which job am I going to pick? Uh, do I do rush or do I not do rush? Which summer internship do I take? On and on, right? Uh, In many ways, it'd be nice to have some help with those sorts of answers. And so this semester, you know, if you've been with us, that we're studying through the book of Proverbs. And our theme every week is a life of wisdom. Because that's what Proverbs is. It's a book book about, about and a book filled with wisdom. And we've said that wisdom is really... I guess we could, to put it simply, it's, skill, it's living life well. Skill in living. And so tonight we're going to look at what Proverbs tells us about, about wisdom in decision making. Or, or planning for the future. However we want to talk about it. And so we're going to look at four principles that I think uh, emerge from the Proverbs about decision making. So four things tonight um, about our plans. And so here they are. Our plans for the future should be, number one, they should be made. In other words, we should make plans. Secondly, our plans for the future should be godly. Thirdly, they should be well counseled. We should seek advice. And fourthly and finally, our plans for the future should be seen as secondary. All right, so let's go ahead and dive in. First, our plans for the future, making decisions, our plans should be made. The first thing that I want you to see uh, is that, that you and I are actually free to make, and we actually should make, plans for the future. Um, we should think strategically about what's coming. We should make big decisions. Uh, look at uh, a handful of these verses. Look at 16.1. The plans of the heart belong to man. Verse three, uh, 16.3. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. 
16.9, the heart of man plans his way. 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And we could turn up plenty of other uh, proverbs uh, that say similar things, but uh, what I want you to see is that Proverbs basically assumes that you and I are going to be faced with lots of big decisions about the future about which there's no definitive word from God about what, what choice to make. Proverbs assumes that going into it, that we're going to be faced with these big decisions. There's no clear-cut you know, directive from God's word, and it assumes that we're free to make those decisions for ourselves. That we're, we're actually called to employ wisdom, and that's what, what we're going to talk about for the rest of tonight, and actually make a decision for ourselves. And look, this is, this is incredibly important for us to understand because I think so much of the, the evangelical world, you know, Christianity today in, in large part, I think misunderstands this. And so this first point, I'm actually going to throw a lot at you. And I, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through it. But I'm going to give you like a summer conference seminar in like five minutes. But it's going to be good stuff. I think it's going to work. Um, Yeah, all right, other qualifier. This very well might rub some of you the wrong way, okay? It may not, but this might really bug some of you. And look, we're going to get through it, and if, if, if we need to talk about it afterwards, that's fine. Let's talk about it, but just, just give it a listen. Um, all right, so here's the problem. So if, if you're a Christian, uh, if you've grown up in the church... You know that there's a lot of talk about God's will for our lives, right? That's just part of the lingo. We all want to find God's will for our lives. Um, that kind of talk, in some sense, is in the Bible. Um, we want to. We believe that God does have a will for our lives, and we want to follow it, live by it. But how do we know what God's will is? And so, my suggestion to you is that. The way that a lot of people, maybe even a lot of us, tend to think about God's will, we don't tend to think about it in the right way. We can tend to think about God's will for our lives um, almost like a target, right? Um, a target that we need to hit and we want to try to get as close to the center of that target as we possibly can. Whatever God's will is, we want to be as close to the middle, right? The, the core of it. And to the degree that we miss is the degree to which we're going to miss out on God's blessing or that things are just not going to go as well as they should. Um, But when it comes to something like, should I major in accounting or engineering? Or which summer internship should I take? Or whatever it is where we don't know what God's will is in those questions, we tend to resort to all sorts of different ways to try to figure that out. Because we're, we don't want to miss, we don't want to miss the target and be outside of God's will. So how do we know what God's will is? Uh, this is this is true, true story. A former uh, campus minister, uh, he told me about one of his students who had this way of understanding uh, of God speaking to her and understanding what God wanted for her life. Um, she would go to the uh, to this park, one particular parking lot, and park under this particular light. She would go at night. And 
she would ask God a question, and if the light blinked, which evidently did sometimes, if it blinked, she understood that to be God winking at her as if to say yes. And if it did not blink, it was a no answer. All right, now look, that's one way to go about it. I would submit to you that's a bad way to go about it, but that's one way you could do it. That's one way you could think about discerning God's will for your life. But I want to submit to you a, I think, a more biblical way about how to think about it all. Um, And it's this. I think it's very fair to say that the Bible talks about God's will in two different ways. That the Bible speaks about God having a revealed will. And it speaks about God having a secret will, I guess we could say. Okay? Let me give you uh, one piece of scripture to uh, sort of bolster that, or where I'm getting that. Deuteronomy 29, 29. says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Two ways in which the Bible talks about God's will. He has a secret will and a revealed will. All right, so first the revealed will. What is that? It's what he has revealed to us right here in the Bible. His word. It's what he's revealed to us. Those are the things that God has been very clear on that we can know. Um, is it God's will for my life? Uh, can I leave my wife just because? What's God's will for me in that? Well, that, that's very clear. No, you can't. Um, is, it okay for me to, um, is it okay for me to lie to my roommates? No, it's not. God's will for you is to tell the truth to your roommates, right? That's been revealed to us. Um, right, those things are clear in Scripture. All right, but what about his... The other aspect, his secret will, right? Um, there, in other words, there are things that we don't find in the pages of Scripture. Uh, answers to questions like, what major should I choose? Should I marry this person? Those sorts of things. Now look, let's be clear. The Bible does say some things about who you should marry as a Christian. What does it say? It says that you should only marry another Christian. Uh, It says that you should only marry someone of the opposite sex. And that's about it. That's about it. That's what he's revealed to us. Um, So instead, well, actually, uh, yeah. So instead of thinking about God's will like a target, right, where we don't really know what it is and we're trying to shoot at the middle of it and get as close to as we can, I think a better way to think about it um, is to think about it like a, like a fence. That we don't know what God's will is, right, in, in certain areas his, that are of his secret will. But that his revealed will operates like a fence. And it gives us boundaries. And inside of that fence, we're free to choose. So, again... Uh, for example, with the, um, with the, you know, should I marry this person, right? For the believer, 
Right? We don't know. That's, that's God's secret will for your life. You know, exactly who you should marry or if you should marry. But if it's the person you're dating, should I marry this person? That, that God's, what we can say is that he's given us his revealed will and the fence, it's basically a two-sided fence, right? It's a, it makes, I don't know, two halves, circle, something like that. They need to be a Christian and they need to be um, uh, of the opposite sex. Anybody that fits inside of that fence, I am free to choose. And you really are free to choose and know that you're inside of God's will. All right, so that's a lot. Let's, I want to plot real quick or give you a couple thoughts. Um, so what do we do with that? Look, I think this is an incredibly freeing truth from Scripture because it frees us up from being paralyzed by fear of making the wrong decision. Do you see that? that? That, yeah, you're actually freed up from, from being terrified of messing your life up. Uh, from being terrified about putting yourself outside of God's will and then thinking like, I, I've just missed it and I'm going to be living the rest of my life on sort of track B. It means, yeah, it means you can actually relax. So if you, if you are wondering, should I marry this Christian guy or girl? Here's the good news. There's no wrong answer. You're actually free to think about it and make a decision. And there's no wrong answer. All right, last thought on this. Um, I want you to notice that actually being diligent, what we've read, right? What, being diligent in planning and making wise decisions is commended. And, and generally speaking, the Bible says that it will be met with success. So what that means is the answer, or the way we should think about this is not, well, all right, well, so there's no wrong answer. So like, what does it matter? I'm just... Throw it against the wall, see what sticks. That's not the, the right approach. But what I want you to recognize is that there's actually more wisdom to apply. Sure, there's no wrong answer. Again, our scenario is, should I marry this person or not? You know, the, as long as they're a Christian of the opposite sex, there's no wrong answer. But that doesn't mean the question's over. There's plenty more wisdom that, that's going to be brought to bear on the subject. And so it frees us up to explore it. And that's what we're going to do for the next couple of points here. So let's move on to our second point. We've we got to keep clipping along. Second thing I want you to see is that our plans should be godly. In some ways this goes very much hand in hand with what we just said. Uh, look at 12.20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. But those who plan peace have joy. 14.22. Um, do, do they not go astray who devise evil? Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. And in 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Um, as we begin to now try to apply wisdom to our decision making, one of the big things that we have to see is that our plans should aim for goodness, for peace. Um, our decisions... Our decisions should be made with, with a view uh, to the kingdom of God. In other words, they shouldn't, be, they shouldn't be selfish. And I think really what's at the heart of this is it's getting us to take inventory of our motives. 
as we make decisions? What's going on in our hearts in that process? So when we're forced with it, when we're facing these big decisions in life, I think it's important for us to stop and, and examine ourselves and take a look at what our motives really are as best we can. Right? When you get to the point where something is, clear, is clearly inside the fence of God's word, like we've talked about, it's not against scripture, then it's wise to be, to be reflective about what, what am I really wanting out of this? Are my motivations selfish or not? Uh, for example, let's take, you know, we're going to do a lot of dating and marriage talk. I think that's probably appropriate, right? Uh, let's take the girl that's not far from graduating and is dating a guy that's a believer. And her working plan is to marry this guy. But if she actually stops and is honest about her motivations, if she's really honest What she really sees is that I really am just kind of doing the ring by spring deal. And that it's not so much that I love this guy. He's okay, I guess. But it's really just far more about I'm just afraid if I don't, you know, if I don't do this now, I'll just be lonely for the rest of my life. Or all my friends are getting married and I just... If that's really the motivation then it's probably not the wisest move. Or uh, if you're honest with yourself about your dating life and you're dating somebody, um, honestly, you're dating them just because they're hot or just because you like the status of being in a relationship. It's probably not the wisest move. Um, If you're honest with yourself and you're choosing a major Honestly, just because of how much money it makes, it's probably not the wisest move. And look, what I want you to see is, I hope you see that it's, it's not that it's not wise because God just loves to get people that don't put him first. And if you don't put him first and you, you, know, you, you take your own selfish motives, he just loves wrecking people's lives. That's not it. It's not wise because, because God knows that if you're not putting him first, if you're putting other things first, then you're going to be miserable. Because, you know, we'll run through those scenarios. Because you're going to end up in a marriage that you don't really want to be in. And you're going to be in a marriage that what you really wanted out of it was a sense of security and safety. And then you get in it and you realize it's, it doesn't really provide that like you thought it would. And now you're married to this guy you don't like. Or you, uh, you end up making a bunch of money, but you're in a career that you hate. And you have to keep working at it to get the stuff that you want to enjoy. And even when you do get the stuff, you don't have time to use it because you're so busy. And even when you do get the time to do the stuff, it just doesn't fill you up like you, like you thought it would. And you're in a job that you hate. But if we can, the more we can be honest about our motives and examine them and, and align them, then the flip side is true. That, that God does uphold the plans of those who seek peace and good in his kingdom. 
I think there's a lot of encouragement in that. All right, thirdly, our plans about the future should be well counseled. Uh, look at eleven fourteen, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Fifteen twenty two says, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. And in 2018, plans are established by counsel. By wise guidance, wage war. For all those of you that are looking to start a war, you know, see guidance. So look, as we continue to think about our decision making, I think one of the main things that wisdom would have us do is to seek wisdom from other people. We need to ask advice from other folks. And we need to do that for at least a couple of reasons. First, we need to ask advice of other people because we can deceive ourselves. The human heart is amazing at this. We can try to look at our own motivations, but, but our hearts can, can trick us, right? Um, we can trick ourselves into thinking that we really do have good motivations when we really may not. And so sometimes we need people to come alongside us and and help us see that and point that out to us. You know, uh, you hear people talk about the peace, that they just have a peace about this decision. And look, that might be a very good thing. It really might be. But it just might be that that's that's your heart's way, that's your way of sort of just doing what you want to do. And maybe it shouldn't have a peace about it. And if you took the time to ask some people that care about you, you would begin to understand that. Uh, the second reason we need to ask other people uh, for advice is because we can actually confuse ourselves. So sometimes we can t- try to take inventory of our motives and, and recognize that they are wrong. But then get confused about how much weight to give them. Because look, if you examine your motives... Let me go ahead and, you know, spoiler alert. They're wrong to some degree. Every one of you, me, everybody, our motives are always mixed. So if you begin to dig into that and then begin to look and see like, all right, well, gosh, maybe I am, maybe I am deceiving myself too much. And, and you begin to get confused. We need other people. Um, yeah, like the, uh, the ring by spring girl. Maybe she looks and she realizes she actually does recognize that. You know what? This really is. I'm just doing this to, you know, to fit in with my girlfriends or so that I'll have the, you know, candlelight sorority thing or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I have some bad motivations. But as she begins to really think about it, she thinks, but I actually do love this guy. And I think he is a good guy. And so now we've got, you know, this mix of things and. It'd be helpful to have somebody to sort that out. Third, we need to ask advice of other people because we just don't know everything. Right? We need to talk to people that have had more life experiences than us. Uh, People that know what the possible pitfalls in something are. You know, that, that have been there and done that maybe. We need to ask advice. And look, not that... Don't hear this the wrong way. Not that I am and that we are not the, the wisest people in the world. But 
at least one good resource that you have, I think, um, is your RUF campus ministry staff. We would love to help you. Uh, it, if you'd like advice, if you'd like somebody to bounce something off of, ask David, Olivia, myself. We'd love to do that. Um, yeah, probably one of the hardest decisions. Good night, we've got to hurry. Probably one of the hardest decisions that Amy and I have ever had uh, to make. This, this was years ago when we lived in Louisville and we were looking at another job. And it was at a really unique time in our, in our family's life. And it was just a brutal decision. Do we take this job or do we stay where we... Not, not this Baylor job, but another one. Do we take that job or do we stay where we are? And it was incredibly difficult. And one of the, one of the best things that I did was just to ask as many people as I, as I felt like would be helpful. And so I asked a lot of other guys that have been in that position before and have, and have done those sorts of things ahead of me. And it was incredibly helpful. And what we found out was most every single person said, gosh, it seems like this would not be helpful, but it's, it's 50-50, man. Do whatever you want. I just can't. I don't see any, you know, one way or the other. And so we, we made our decision and it helped us have confidence in it. Right? We had good counsel. A couple of random thoughts about that, about who you ask for advice. Um, be wise about who you ask for wisdom. Interesting, but yeah. Um, you know, you don't want to ask people that will just tell you what you want to hear. Ask the people that know you the best. Um, your good friends. Uh, I don't know, some of you may not like this. For the vast majority of you, it's your parents. Your parents actually know you really well, whether you, that might bug you or not, but they're probably good people to ask for advice. Um, all right, we've got to finish up. Fourth, fourthly and finally, our plans should be seen as secondary. All right, and by that, I mean that we have to recognize the reality of, of the situation. That while you and I are free, like we've talked about, to actually make our own decisions, um, that God is ultimately in charge. And his plan, his sovereignty supersedes ours. Uh, you see that in a handful of verses that we have. 16.9, uh, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. 19.21, 21, 21.31, 27.1, uh, all attest to the same thing. But you have to keep in mind what we've said in past weeks, that while the Proverbs say um, that if, if you seek the Lord, if you commit your works to the Lord, they will succeed, right? We have to understand the genre, that that's not a promise. It's the way the world generally tends to work. But it's not a guarantee, that it's going to look like what we want it to. Because the Bible's clear here in Proverbs and all throughout that God is ultimately sovereign over everything, that He's in charge. And what I want you to see is that that's a really good thing. It's a good thing because trusting in God's sovereignty is going to help relieve us of our anxiety about decision making, it's going to help us on the front end. Right? We can trust that, that we can make plans as best we can, make decisions as best we can. We can go into that knowing that ultimately it's not up to us. Right? That helps to free us up. That we can plan as best we can and make our decision. Because we know that ultimately God is in charge of this. And that we're not going to train wreck our lives outside of his control. Where, 
We're not going to make a decision and God, and, and basically God be like, oh, man, I can't help you with that. That was the one thing you couldn't do. Because God's in charge. So it gives us confidence on the front end. It also helps us on the back end. Right? God's sovereignty gives us comfort when things don't seem to go according to our plan. Uh, when our plan seems to derail and it seems like life blows up. We actually have the confidence and the comfort to know that, as painful as it might be, God's in charge of that too. God's in charge of that too. He established that and somehow it's ultimately for our good. Um, in college, uh, I dated a girl before I dated Amy, before, she, before I knew Amy. Um, and quite frankly, full disclosure, I, at the time, wanted to marry this girl. That's, that's the way I was thinking. And, but it was really, it was one of those just like tough relationships, right? And it's mostly my fault. But, uh, and I can remember my campus minister, we were talking about it and he, and he prayed for me. And he prayed, this comes from Psalm 20. He prayed that God would give me the desires of my heart. And I, of course, took that to mean that I would, this relationship that I was currently in would, you know, go the way I wanted it to. And, and it didn't. And I didn't really, I didn't like that. I didn't understand that. It didn't seem, it didn't seem good to me. But what I've come to realize, and look, I'm not trying to be sappy about this. This is just honestly, and I think if you know me, obviously true. Is that God, God actually did give me the desires of my heart. It just didn't look like what I thought it would look like. It was way better, right? Because I ended up meeting Amy and getting married to Amy, and yeah, way better. Um, and so, look, it's a, it's a great thing to see that even in our decision-making, God is sovereign on the front end, the back end. And look, sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes you can, like I can look back on that and say, well, that worked out for the best. But look, sometimes you can't. Sometimes life is incredibly hard. And your plans go crazy wrong. And people get sick. And people die. And all sorts of awful things happen that we just don't plan for. But even then, as, as hard as that is, there's, there's good news in God's sovereignty. Because we can always know that if if we trust him, right, we can know that we can trust him and that those things are not to punish us. And not only are they not to punish us, but somehow they come from the hand of a loving father. And look, if that sounds offensive to you, if that sounds totally weird to you, let's talk about it. But we can know that it it comes from a good father. And look, how can we know that? How can we trust God and trust His sovereignty with our, our plans and our decisions? Right? Why, why would we even want to follow His will? And look, the answer is because of His, I guess, His ultimate plan, right? Uh, it's because of what we see in the cross. Because we can know that the worst moment in human history... When the sinless Son of God, right, the only guy that's never done anything wrong, got executed. 
It was the worst, it was the worst thing ever. What, what good could come out of that? What sense does that make? But you see, God is the ultimate plan maker. And out of the darkest moment in human history, he brought about, it was at the same time the most, the most amazing thing that's ever happened. He brought about our salvation. All right, we can trust him because, like Romans 8 says, that if God is willing to give us his most precious possession, his beloved son, then why would he hold anything else back? He wouldn't. And so we can trust him because he loves us. And he loves us for free, and that's, that's offered to us tonight. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your, for your plan. We praise you that your plans, your ways are above our ways, and that your plan supersedes ours. Father, even when we don't understand it, when life is incredibly hard, even when we've actually made bad decisions, Father, you are good, and you love us, and we can trust you, and we pray that uh, we all would do that, maybe even for the first time tonight. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.